Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Um, photography, for me, um, I, I've kind of used it as therapy. During, during COVID, um, you know, I'll give you a little bit of background about myself. I'm a traditionally trained graphic designer that became an art director that um, moved on to motion graphics. Then I became an editor, and that's the majority of my career is doing television programming and corporate films, as well as live shows and that kind of thing. But during COVID, that kind of all dried up. So I I had all this camera gear sitting around, um, as one does. And then I, I, I picked that up and I used that camera to satiate my wanderlust, primarily, because uh, we weren't traveling anywhere. So I, I traveled around Hong Kong. There was, uh, astonishingly, um, a load of places... I hadn't been in Hong Kong, you know, having lived here for 30 plus years, I found that quite incredible that there was uh, so much of the territory I hadn't explored. So, yeah, I picked up the camera and I began to explore these places. And therein lies my beginning falling in love with photography, basically. What does it mean to me? It's 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 my therapy. Yeah. Nice. Dicky, so is it Dicky Suzuki that's your name? So, um Dicky Suzuki is my moniker that I use for uh, my photography. Okay. Dicky Fowler is my is my real name. Okay. Uh, that's what I use for my professional career but photography i try and keep it to suzuki my wife's japanese okay. i have two sons they're both japanese um hence hence the suzuki part i love it i love it okay so so dicky suzuki um thank you for joining me on the podcast you know I, I don't know if this if if you notice this or not but the main sort of question is you know if life really is a gift how do we make every second count you know, I say to you, send me four photos, and that is going to kind of shape a kind of a kind of a, a journey or a, a roller coaster or whatever uh, across your life. And by talking about your photos, uh, we're going to learn, you know, what's important to you, how you see the world, and and it's always, I mean, it's always this really fun discovery because everybody sees the world differently. And as somebody who is a photographer, you have spent time thinking about how you see and how you communicate. And so I, I haven't looked at your photos. I, I know nothing about your art, but I can tell already that it's going to be good. Oh, wow. So start with bicycle, man. Yes. Okay. So because people are listening, I have to explain what I say. And I, this is like, I'm looking at it first. So first of all, dude, you know how to make amazing photographs. That is incredible. Okay. So it's, it's a man working on a small bicycle wheel. 
He's balding a little bit. He's not wearing a shirt. Uh, it's just rained. And the, there's a single uh, fluorescent tube of light, maybe, I don't know, three meters above his head. So let's say not 10, 15 feet above his head. And he's surrounded by fans, by blades, by metal. And so the, the, this is like a, it's almost like a cinematographic still in this full-on futuristic almost, uh, kind of uh, like Blade Runner-esque scene. But here's this guy, it's night, he's working on this you know, flat tire, he's kind of streaming down, and he's surrounded by this really intense greenish, everything's kind of greenish, except for his skin and the lights in the background, which are beautifully orange. I mean, this is such a great shot. Um, okay, so what is this? Okay, um, so this is uh, which I romantically call Bicycle Man. I try and keep my titles quite self-explanatory. I, I don't want a title to deter uh, the viewer's point of view. But this is this is this photograph uh, encapsulates me a hundred percent. It shows my love for Hong Kong, and it shows uh, a lot of my influences growing up. Uh, yeah, but predominantly, it's it's, it's my love for Hong Kong is, is encapsulated in this photograph. You know, um, I do believe that Hong Kong is is built upon the blood, sweat, and tears of its inhabitants. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the local population that drive that drive the the engine of Hong Kong um, and make it its vibrant cacophony, if you will, of of textures and colors and and thoughts and and heritage and all of those things really make hong kong the um the um cinematic universe that it is you know Mm -hmm. you know it's no wonder that uh films such as you mentioned blade runner ghost in the shell and all those cyberpunk zeotropes um basically are encapsulated in this city if you if you care to even take it on face value you know yeah go on you were going to ask something i was just going to quickly say if people want to see these photos they're on youtube they're on the website they're around and they have to be seen because you're a great photographer thank you thank you uh yeah i like to go out when it's raining again uh trying to to capture that cyberpunk theme basically Uh, Mm -hmm. you know i love the wet streets reflecting the lights and and giving it all that dystopian kind of atmosphere Mm -hmm. that's where i'm kind of going with it yeah to be so to be nerd is to be nerdy what kind of uh cameras are you shooting with so i use a sony a7 mark iii i have one lens i use a 24 to 70 zoom nice and that that is it basically that is my camera. I, I have it sitting next to me right now, and it's look, looking rather beaten up, to be, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so I have that camera. I have that camera. It's full frame. It's a re- Look, wouldn't it be great if Sony were to sponsor the show, sponsor your episode for sure? But And it's a full frame, and so within that dimension, the 24, yeah. 24 to 70 zoom, such a great lens yeah. 24 to me is like proper wide like you know some people use 28 and i think no like 24 
2124 really gives you that kind of um, um, openness. And your photograph brings out the biggest nerd in me because the the color range of the of the metal and the street and the light from the fluorescent tube makes it all green and yeah. yet and yet in the fan blades and then in in his skin and in the reflection on the bike and then in the background there could be a bakery or something and there's also a uh, a, a lantern and also a bird cage that are kind of browns and oranges it's like it's it's one of these like beautifully like because some things with photographs because it's so instantaneous and quick and easy you know not many photographers out there will play with color or notice color or notice these sorts of, of levels and um right you definitely do i mean is there a lot of post-production on this thing you know, uh, I'm not one of those guys that uh, are puritanical about his photography. Um, I'm out there to make an image that's reflecting what my point of view. Yep. Um, yep. So I put my hand up. I'm a heavy Lightroom user. Mm -hmm. So what? So what? Yeah, it works. Uh, you know, there's there's too many colors often on on Hong Kong streets. Mm. I want to kind of bring the color palette down to a less noisy mm -hmm. uh, hole, uh, just something that's a bit more uh, homogenous, mm -hmm. if you will, so that you can then pick out the the focal point of the shot, if you will, yep. Yep. and as well as other points of interest. You know, uh, one of my favorite things to shoot is is fluorescent lighting. Um, right. Again, it's, it harks back to that dystopian, uh, that, that's the only light bulb that can be a uh, around at, at this point when we've reached the apocalypse, you know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of storytelling. So where did you come from, to, from before Hong Kong? Where were you living? Where was home? Yeah, so UK, UK born and bred, uh, but uh, arrived in Hong Kong when I was uh, 19. Oh, wow. And then started work, started work from there, you know. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. And then in terms of your creative and artistic, I mean, because you, you say you worked as an art director and you worked within, I mean, you, you clearly have a point of view and a perspective and, and training. And so like how much of your training is just from doing over time and how much of it was the, the shortcut of yeah. going to classes and, and all that stuff? What photography you mean? Well, you know, um, I went to art college where, which was a basic diploma course, so I dabbled in a little bit of everything. Then, you know, I went straight into uh, uh, corporate uh, branding design as soon as I arrived in Hong Kong, and that showed me the corporate world, and then mm. off into uh, the more boutique um, graphic design and uh, photography film studios. So that's, mm -hmm. that's basically all-encompassing my training, per se, Everything else has kind of been self-taught, especially computers. I was there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that makes me feel quite old. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> were you working in one of the, the the big advertising agencies or were you working in like a smaller boutique or more in-house? So as, as soon as I landed at, at the age of 19, a year out of art college, I landed a job at Landor Associates um, in Hong Kong. Um, which was, uh, you know, the 
arguably the biggest design agency in the world, working on accounts ranging from, you know, airline liveries to cigarette packet design. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I didn't last long in that world. uh, The corporate world is is not something I um, enjoy too much. Sure. So then I I hopped and skipped and and crowbarred my way into the local boutique design agency run by a photographer and a um, film director. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's say goodbye to this stunning photo, which people have to check out. Yeah, Yeah. I I love how how I'll bring or I'll get creatives onto the show and I see images that I've just never seen before. And this this is fantastic. So let's go on to the second photo. Okay, so again, um, this is a a dystopian point of view of Hong Kong, and and showing people how beautiful this city is, even though mm-hmm. you're looking at something that's potentially controversial, right? <laughs> overlooked. What's interesting to me is that you are playing a lot with light and darkness, right? So this is shot at night. Um, there is a man you yeah. don't see his face. He's kind of his shoulders and his arm are kind of turned red by by a red light overhead. He's exiting kind of yeah. a sixty year old building. Um, there's the kind of sign that could be, I don't know if this is like a, I don't know like a brothel could be in Mongkok. Not really sure. It looks it's kind of dodgy. Oh, it's definitely a brothel. Okay, oh. so it, it looks kind of dodgy, but but. The light is very soft, so there's the reds, there's the green of the in- interior fluorescent lighting. Yeah, so this is, a, is a, you're, you're photographing, uh, and it's only one person, right? So it's this lone person in a part of town that is probably filled with lots of people. So, yeah, so why, why is this image so important to, to your body of work? Again, it's something I'm trying to show people how, how beautiful beautifully dystopian this city is you know this is a a, a potentially controversial image uh, found in the back alleyways of Mongkok Mm -hmm. but you know originally I shot this doorway without the person in it Mm -hmm. um, which which has been proven successful so I, I kept going back looking to tell more of a story um initially I was enraptured if if that's the right word by the the uh tones of light going down the corridor yeah, basically yeah. you got your red light at the doorway throwing a big red glow around the opening mm-hmm. and then further down the corridor you've got a uh, you know a cooler light um throwing yeah. a, a greenish blue light so the the combination of the two gives you a whole kaleidoscope of colors traversing that that corridor Mm-hmm. So that was initially why I picked up on it, and of course, the salaciousness of it being a brothel mm. is is something I like to explore. You know, prostitution in Hong Kong is legal. Yeah, as long as you're a a, a single single person in a single room. 
of course, uh, uh, the problem there is it, it's all run by the underworld. So these yeah. these uh, people are taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. So there's that whole story as well going on behind this this image. Yeah, there's definitely something. Uh, you're definitely capturing a side of the glitzy, you know, well-known side of Hong Kong, which is you know the banking and finance and the central business district and all this stuff. Now, this image isn't really salacious. Like, it's basically a guy walking through uh, a hallway at night. You don't see his face. He seems... Now, he doesn't seem especially hurried, but, you know, he's kind of... He's 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 on his way out, you know, and he's, he's exiting the building. Yeah. Um, you know, you could say that... He- he he's a customer leaving leaving said establishment. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's the kind of story that comes up in my mind. Hence, right. why I I hid any kind of identifying features on on the individual. Sure. So, for somebody listening to this from uh, not in Hong Kong who has no frame of reference, right? So, why don't you situate yeah. where this is? Like, where is this, and how does it? How does it sit within the the idea or the reputation of Hong Kong, the big big crazy city? Uh, you know, uh, every every city has its underworld. Of course, there's the uh, glam and glitz of the facades of of Central and Tim Sa Choi, but you know, these cities again are run by the individuals that make up that fabric of of the city. Mm-hmm. It's all those facades and and glitz and glamour that you see uh, on face value are, you know, a tiny percentage of what makes this city tick. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to take the other end of the spectrum, which is potentially the underworld, if you will, there's plenty of things to be exploring in that storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, again, the fabric of the city is not all that, all that glitzy glamour that you see on the waterfront. Mm-hmm. You know, the majority of people are hardworking individuals that make something out of nothing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is a, a, you know, a beautiful example of that, albeit somewhat dystopian. Right. So I've got to ask a question. Yeah. Like, in a sense, like, how are you using the photographs like are you using them for you know editorial purposes to kind of capture and write a story or are you mostly looking at it through like an aesthetic sort of thing of either a shock and a, a viewer like in a in a gallery or yeah like set set up why don't you set up how you're using these photographs so a listener can either yeah. find out about them or see like what, what how do your photographs live beyond your computer Right. Um, so I'm uh, fashioning myself into an artist. I believe I, I'm getting there. Um, but uh, uh, an image like this, I want it to grab attention on its face value. But then I want viewers to take a deeper dive into the imagery. If they take the time to understand what's going on in that image, um, they'll find many many different storylines going throughout um mm. again you go back to bicycle man it's it's you know it's that hard-working guy in the middle of a typhoon still busting his ass because he mm. has to 
you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Otherwise, he's not going to be able to eat properly. It's right. the same sort of story with a very cheap brothel in a back alleyway in, in Mong Kok. Mong right. Kok being, you know, one of the most heavily densely, densely populated places on the planet. Um, but again, it's not all the but glitz and glamour of the facades it's what happens in the back alleyways mm-hmm. and and to to the average person so you know someone sees it in the gallery they need to understand what they're looking at yeah you know this is a, a single person brothel potentially with a customer leaving <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. still stunningly beautiful on face value I mean, it's almost it's almost religious in its sort of, um, you know, in terms of the tones, in terms of the softness, in terms of the light and dark. Uh, and, you know, uh, yeah. I'd take my dogs when we'd have, um, you know, 24-hour vet needs, right? Like if a dog needed to see a vet, the only vet that was open was in Mong Kok. And so, you know, you drive out there right. at one in the morning, you park the car, and then as you walk your sick dog down the street, up the stairs. It's like you're passing like entranceway after entranceway of these of these brothel areas. And uh, it's yeah. like, okay, it's just part of life out there. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. Right. I like showing uh, the brothel against uh, the contemporary modern right. you know, gentrified streets, but mm-hmm. still upstairs there's a brothel. The, the values here are very wide. <laughs> right. Well, they're fulfilling a service, you know, they're yeah. fulfilling a service. Um, so, like, in terms of, let's go back to, to how you're, you use your photographs. Like, are you showing them in, in, a, in a gallery or, like, can, like how are they, do they live as prints? Do they only live on a screen? Like, how, how do you put them into the world? So, um, uh, predominantly... I sell my prints at, at gallery shows, charity events, and those kind of uh, things. I'm actually gearing up for a, a gallery show next month, um, but nice. more about that later. Okay. I produce prints on metal plate, uh, which is a, a product called Chromalux. I love that. Which is um, uh, perfect for Hong Kong walls. If you've ever tried to hang a piece of paper artwork up in in Hong Kong, uh, you soon find it's it's gone all wrinkly and moldy and started to slip inside the frame and mm-hmm. and all of these kind of things. Hence, why I use a, an industrial product, this Chromalux product, which makes it look super glossy and and mm-hmm. it has the added advantage of being waterproof, scratch resistant, um, flame retardant, even and, <laughs> and UV resistant. That's great. It's great. I love it. Yeah, all of those things make for a good product in my mind that's going to stay fresh for the next 50 years yeah right dicky suzuki is going to stay fresh for 50 years all right i love it okay so photo three by dicky suzuki is a shot of an arcade that looks kind of old uh the ground is cobblestone so it looks like it faces the street the light again is from a fluorescent tube, so it's very cold. The there are three yeah. arcade units, like you know, the shot is of three arcade units. The faces facing the the photographer. 
hard to know what the arcades yeah. are. They look kind of like that Japanese style of where there's the claw that picks stuff up for people to to win yeah, plush toys or whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, what I love about your photos is that there's a lot of darkness, a lot of vivid colors. So go ahead. What, what's this? So it's it's a it's a grab machine, and and it's facing a, an alleyway in uh, in Yuen Long. Again, it, it caught my eye for its dystopian values, its its color saturation, and I like the patina on it as well. Uh, that you'll see a common theme throughout my photography. Again, it's the fluorescent lighting, it's the saturated mm -hmm. color palettes. It's also a, a cacophony of textures and and layers inside my uh, frames. So this one, you know, it's it's a little bit dystopian because you know you can see it's a grab machine. So obviously it takes coins, but you're going to get little or, uh, in, in my point of view, not much of a reward. You know, uh, the the cabinet on the left is cup noodles. You got your gacha balls in the middle, and then you got your cheap stuffed toys on the right. Mm -hmm. You know, how many coins do you have to put in there to get <laughs> a piece of tat? Mm -hmm. you know? And then, and then you can look closer and and see all the cam security cameras around it that yep. are the security uh, point of view, as well as Big Brother always watching. Mm -hmm. But it's it's really a, a texture play and a social commentary that I like about this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I was once in Mong Kok and uh, it was like yeah. morning and I was taking my daughter and that, um, you know, we were walking by one of these places and it had they had like 20 of these machines. And there was this one guy yeah. with a bag full of coins and he was just again and again and again just kind of playing this this game and then he was collecting yeah. he was collecting the prizes which i think he was going to resell so it's like this really strange right. side hustle yeah it's very bizarre it's very peculiar i i doubt it was a side hustle because uh, you could actually go into certain arcades and and just buy them off the rack you know oh. and and these plushes and these prizes are not something that are worth any money, in yeah, my opinion. I agree. Especially not in the sale market. Mm. Not unless there's a unique item in there, is is a collector's piece or, or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Could it be lucrative? But I I see it's more of a, you know, it's an, a gaming addiction. Right. You know, it's like the arcades in Hong Kong, are full of these old gaming machines, but it's it's illegal to gamble here outside of the jockey club. Mm -hmm. So you go in there and you put your coins in, and you're playing you're playing slot machines. You're playing uh, other machines where you're just accumulating numbers. Mm -hmm. um, so there's nothing gained from it financially. It's just a fun waste of time. Right. Right. <laughs> So, yeah. so okay, so let's talk about fun wastes of time. You come to Hong Kong. Uh, what was yeah. the draw? Like, why, why Hong Kong of every place on earth? Why here? Um, I was, a, you know, going through art college, I was exposed to orientalism, if you will, mm -hmm. and 
all that design cacophony of of you know the best best design in the world in 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 my in my opinion uh, ranging from you've got your your japanese kaijus to you know some of the most beautiful design ever produced uh, whether it be woodwork fabric design costume design you name it i think this part of the world has a unique take mm-hmm. on that and so that was the draw basically as well as you know not not discounting the blade runner aspect of it all oh wow that's super exotic i'm going mm-hmm. over there <laughs> hmm. i thought i was on my way to japan i never quite made it that far right so one of the interesting you know cuz i've met a lot of people like you uh who've come yeah. here and as photographers like one guy you know he he just has a, a kind of in comparison to like the serious professional kits he has like a i don't remember what it was it was like a canon um 5 or something it was like not a 5d it was like it was it was like a small compact and he was walking yeah. down the street and he made a really nice photo of the streetcars and you know he was just and he happened to work in an ad agency and then they said wow that photograph is so perfect that they used it for billboard size like uh campaigns it was just i mean in a way it's kind of like a dream come true right he got like tens of thousands of dollars for it and it was just like a snapshot so yeah given your time in this fantastic um very photographable city do you have a story like that where yeah. one of your photos just had its own little life that just completely blew you away i i haven't sold any of my work uh for commercial purposes i'm not so sure uh my work would lend itself to that yeah i you know i've been commissioned a few times to go and shoot in my style mm-hmm. um but that's that's dictated on my terms you right. know it's it was a it was a fashion shoot um that i did for a new york brand and uh they said uh, we give you carte blanche uh, we want it in your style here's the clothes off you go nice nice yeah right i i put put these guys or the talent in these kind of environments and um there you go and how did that campaign go they're still releasing it. It's called uh, Legacy of Resilience. It's out of New York. And they've only released, what, four or five shots thus far. Wow. And you can find them on Instagram. I don't know. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. It was a lot <laughs> of fun to shoot. You know, a single day, I must have shot 800 shots. Nice. 12 different locations. Excellent. Excellent. So, okay, so... Yeah. You know, so do you have a website? Do you have a place where people can see all your work? Yeah, I show my work on Instagram primarily. It's all Dickie Suzuki, D-I-C-K-I-E, Suzuki. Or you can go to DickieSuzuki.com, again, where I showcase my, my work. The links will be in the show notes for sure. Dickie, this is fantastic. Uh, do you want to say anything else about this third photo or do you want to move on to the next picture? Um, no, I just love it. I don't have much of a backstory behind it. It's just one of those image images that I was compelled to photograph. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but okay. So here's okay. I tend to be a navel gazer. I tend to to kind of want to to find out like 
what more like what else is there and sometimes in my in in these interviews or in these conversations people realize things about it's like oh wait a second so so if we were to do that if we were to to sort of look at this image as a kind of reflection of who you are as a person right like why you would stop yeah. in front of them why you would you know respond to that what do you think what is what is going on behind the photographs that communicates something about who you are and your motives? Hmm. That's a tricky one. You're trying to get me to psychoanalyze my my photography, and uh, it's it's not something I do only on retrospect. And so I'm going to have a go. Okay. Um, so it's 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 playful in nature. It's. You know, it's certainly photogenic. There's no denying that, in my opinion. Again, um, it's that those layers, layers of storytelling there. If you're willing to take the deep dive and try and post-examine this, mm -hmm. uh, you could easily look at, um, I went to see Blade Runner when I was 15 years old. I spent a lot of time playing arcade games in the, in the arcades in the 80s. All of those things, as well as the whole um, Asian Orientalism um, aspect of these design tropes that are present in this, this photograph, it, it's all there to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's playfulness uh, primarily. Playfulness, but yeah. aesthetically um, pleasing. So one of the things I would say about the work is that, you know, there is a playfulness but you're not doing visual puns. You know, like some people are playful in their photographs and it's more its more like hamming it up. Like for example, having faces of people doing strange uh, expressions or whatever. It's not like that. It's more like here, you know, I'm looking at this photo of the arcade. It's, it's absurd, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's basically a place where people go to kill time in a very kind of low-level way, put in a few yeah. a few uh, dollars or whatever, and then just do a little game of skill, and then it's over within thirty seconds, and do it again, and do it again for a payoff yeah. that might be actually quite cheap. But there's something—I don't know if I'd use the word witty—but there's something playful for sure, where you're just kind of like saying, "Well, look at this." Yeah. You could use the word witty. I, I I would accept that, you know. But yeah, back to your original uh, part of that conversation, where it's uh, a lot of photographers are doing those kind of juxtapositions, where you've got, you know, a bush growing out of a, a wall with a person walking just at the right moment, so it looks like the bush is growing out of their heads. That's not my mm -hmm. kind of photography. Um, one, I right. don't have the patience for it, and and two, it's not what I'm looking for. I, I want I want something that goes deeper than face value, you know. It, yeah. it can be initially arresting, but then if you take the time to uh, dissect it, there's a lot more going on, in in my opinion. But I love the fact that you're also doing something. I I don't want to call you a stranger in a strange land because you've lived here for so long. You're not a like you're not a stranger, but you are providing. No. Like you're projecting, like you're noticing for people who maybe have never been out here, things that are quite unusual. The guy leaving yeah. a, a, you know, a, a, a bordello or whatever, you know, so he's just had 
his uh, his little hour of, of, of pleasure and and there's this kind of slinking away and and is it depressing? Is it offensive? Is it controversial? But maybe it's just the guy who's just getting his pleasure switches flicked. I don't know. It's all of those. I want all of those questions to come up when you're looking at a piece. I don't take it on just on face value. Um, you got to ask the questions. Why? What was going mm-hmm. on? Why? Why is this happening? Why is it lit this way? Why? Why are again all of those questions come up in my mind? And you're right. Yep. I do want to showcase the dystopian beauty of this part of the world to people that. Have not experienced it um mm-hmm. you know even even the younger generation of hong kong look at my work and go i never thought of it like that which brings mm. me great joy actually there's a there's a couple nice. of my pieces that i go even deeper into the storytelling uh pulling on history tropes and all these kind of things and i'm educating young locals that just haven't noticed that before about their city yeah. And, you know, Hong Kong is my muse. I'll always love the city. It's it's such a beautiful place. I'll to listen photograph. to you. <laughs> well, to, sh- to share that. Now, for this photo is a photo. Now, I don't know. It looks like a very close crop photo of a of a mini temple. Uh, and the lighting is really beautiful yeah. and it's caught a Buddhist sort of figure. The Buddhist figure is in green uh, with hands together at sort of chest level, heart center, if you want, if you will. The face is like mixed between Asian, Nepalese with a headdress. There's a lot of red. There's a, the, the clothing is a lot of blue. There's a bit of a lotus flower, but it's uh, under a couple of like babies at the at the arms or elbows of this figurine traditional buddhist statuette um yeah so what's this okay so um this is one of the images that i'll be showing uh next month in my uh gallery show called art of the celestials in which um i want to showcase basically the the oldest structures in town are the temples you know they they've been there for hundreds of years if not a little bit longer so that being said, they're, they're the longest surviving structures in, in, this, in this town that reinvents it every 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to find, I like, I like telling stories, again, especially about heritage. So I wanted to reframe the gods and goddesses that you find in temples, in the roadside kind of abandoned structures, and uh, impromptu kind of... Um, shrines that people put up because Mm -hmm. they're terrified of 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 throwing these deities or statues of deities away because it's considered bad luck um so impromptu Mm -hmm. shrines pop up here and there which is a collection of these these deities that have been carefully deposited rather than thrown away yeah this one in particular is probably Probably Guan Yu, which is uh, a a local deity, which is famous across China and probably most of Asia. Uh, A benevolent goddess who's the the goddess of mercy and compassion. 
hence the two children. And there's, mm -hmm. there's so much, um, so many religious kind of motifs within these uh, statues that I like to showcase and and reinterpret, mm -hmm. give them a more contemporary kind of a beauty. I want to take beautiful shots of these deities because they are often mm -hmm. overlooked and and sort of as chintzy kind of stuff that your grandmother prays to on every week mm -hmm. yeah so i really like how the the lighting is especially soft the top of the photo is yeah. there's a lot of darkness there's a lot of darkness in your in your image but the top of the photo is really punctuated by these really deep rich reds right and then the bottom yeah. is kind of like glowing with this turquoise bluish white um so it's like a really beautiful kind of shaping with color which tells me like speaks so yeah. loudly as to your your training and your your aesthetic so how many how many images like this in your show um i'm aiming for 30 plus i'm only wow. halfway there at the moment and time's running out so I'm, I can confidently say there's going to be 30. And I've got them all framed up on, on the Chromalux in, in recycled wooden mm. frames to um, nice. emphasize that, that texture. So can I talk a little bit more about where this shot was made? Yes, please. Please um, do. Uh, where was it? It was Chun Wan, I believe, in a, in a temple up the hill. But it wasn't the main temple. It, again, was one of these little side kind of shrines where people are disposing of their their deities. Well, not disposing, but carefully placing them uh, and mm -hmm. grouping them, and they become impromptu shrines. Mm -hmm. Now, I I believe that one guy has collected these these deities these you know, blue and white porcelain uh, figures, hence why the colour palette is like this. But mm -hmm. he's, he's cemented them into into place so people don't steal them. I don't know why he cemented okay. them there. But there, there's, there's a really famous one called for the Sky Full of Buddhas out in um, uh, Pok Phu Lam, um, mm -hmm. which has 10,000 of these statues along the waterfront. It's a sight mm -hmm. to behold. Wow. I recommend anyone to go and see that. But this particular individual had cemented all these statues in place, but then he'd splashed red paint all over them. Hmm. I don't know why. I don't know why he did that, but it certainly caught my eye. You see in the background, there's red paint almost yeah. across the entirety of the statue. You know, yeah. it's yeah. a very crude application of this paint. You can see right. the paint running down a face and across a chest. Why he did that uh, is a mystery to me. Hmm. But wow, what what textures it brought out, and uh, as well as all the, the storytelling that's going on with the religious nature yeah. of the statue. Uh, yeah, I find it incredible. Do you do you think this particular show will also be available online? Uh, I've got some pieces. If you visit dickysuzuki.com, you can see uh, quite, uh, quite a few of these pieces already up online. Nice. Nice. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so so in terms of your your craft and your style, I mean, have you shot outside of Hong Kong, or do you normally shoot within Hong Kong? Because obviously, Hong Kong is more than enough to to kind of catch your eye. Absolutely, you know, I am keen to go and shoot some more, um, but it reminds me of that Bruce Lee quote where he's he's not frightened of a man that's gone that's uh, got ten thousand different ways of attacking you he's frightened of the guy that's practiced one thing ten thousand times mm -hmm. so hence why i keep going back to hong kong i know hong kong is a beautiful palette it's going to last a lifetime of, of exploration in my opinion mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yes i would love to go and shoot japan and all its you know vending machines that would be terrific but fundamentally my heritage is in Hong Kong. I understand the stories uh, that are here so that I can pick out these these storylines found on the street that people are overlooking mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I know the background behind it. And that's what I'm trying to bring forth is that storytelling. Right. So how, how just to give me a sense of scale, how large do you print? Um, so some of my large, large, largest pieces, like the kaleidoscopic doorway, uh, I sold one last year that was 48 inches high. Mm -hmm. So 48 inches by 36, you know, that's okay. a, that's nearly a couple of meters tall. Yeah, yeah. Nearly life-size almost. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So I amazing. Do, enjoy, do enjoy the scale. You know, imagine this particular image at a scale. Um, you're going to see a lot more of the detail. Sure. Wow. Okay, well... So, I guess, Dickie, you've got another. You know, the the this the floor is yours. What else would you like to to sort of put in the world about? You know, like how does? Because you know the the idea that taking a camera out into the world to to photograph and to capture and share or inspire others is isn't for everyone. You know, but in your uh, experience in, in your world and your life this is a, a a powerful way of expressing right what's what's kind of what's core to who you are do you want to talk about yeah. about about that like in terms of how that either scratches an itch or helps you fulfill a certain mission or whatever a personal drive to to kind of express yourself it goes back to um, the original statement that I made. It, it's a kind of therapy. And again, I, I like, I enjoy telling these stories. It's something that I can educate people about just because of my uh, uh, innate knowledge of just being here that long and understanding the traditions, the folklore, and, and all of these kind of hidden aspects of society that people would not be aware of predominantly because it's not in your face mm -hmm. you, know, you know i like to shoot fortune tellers for instance because that heritage has been going on for thousands of years um arguably mm -hmm. again there's so much storytelling in there that's just the, the tip of the iceberg as far as the fortune tellers go um, but the, mm -hmm. the whole story behind why people use that as a service, why it's 
how many different variations of fortune telling there are in this city is, is, is quite astonishing as well as all the motifs that surround that you know it's got a little bit of voodoo in it it's got a little bit of mysticism all of these kind of things that are you could take it on face value as pantomime mm -hmm. or you could go thousands of years into into prehistory um to explain it all right right and then you're also showcasing all those traditions as well so they're, they're the kind of things that i want to photograph and it can be difficult to do that sometimes so i i wander the streets looking for these stories that i can expose with my photography as well as it being good for me <laughs> right right well that was beautifully said uh dicky suzuki look i these hours go by very quickly thank you so much for this amazing uh, tour of, of your hong kong yeah i i I love seeing how people photograph and yeah, your images are great. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time and, and listening to my drivel. <laughs> <laughs> for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So have a really good one. Hope to see you at my show at some point. For sure. Take care. Bye-bye. Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Hey, baby, I like